You are listening to Soundwise Podcast, a show hosted by Alex in Serbia and Vlada in Poland. Each week we cover a different artist or band and engage in open, spontaneous debates and discussions about specific parts of their discographies. Our goal is to expand their musical horizons and cover a great range of genres and styles. Find us on Patreon, patreon.com slash soundwisepod and on social media at soundwisepod. Hello, welcome to another episode of Soundrise Podcast. Today we are talking about a band that there isn't really much left to be said, you know, given that it's a band of such a grand stature, of such fame, of such critical acclaim, popularity. Uh, no, I'm not talking about the Beatles, if that's what you wondered. I'm actually talking about The Cure. So, Alexander, this was your suggestion. Why did you decide that we should talk about such a grand act? Evening, Vada. Yeah, it was it was my choice, and I wanted to talk about The Cure because they are such a great act, and we often mention uh, new wave music on our show, but we don't seem to cover new wave bands that often. So I wanted to sw- switch things up a bit and uh, talk about The Cure, one of the most influential bands when it comes to my uh, music taste. And also, when I used to play bass guitar, uh, their riffs would uh, always kind of uh, inspire me to, to make certain riffs. So definitely a huge, huge band. And I'm just happy that we have the chance to cover such legendary acts, Vlada. Yeah, of course. And, you know, thinking about this episode, I was thinking about all the times when their songs would, virtually speaking, save me in a way, uh, you know, how much they meant to me over the years, especially when I was in my early to mid-20s. And there's a special connection with some of these bands, uh, some of these bands' songs, you know, that I I find difficult to talk about in a way, but we can try, of course. And it's just simple... Uh, the simple truth that there are some artists out there who really know how to target our strings, you know, and whenever you try to talk about them or try to describe them to somebody who perhaps is uninitiated, it's a very daunting task. So I hope we will do well, even though I think today's task is almost as grand as the band itself, just being able to say something new or interesting about such a renowned act is quite a challenge. So, Alexander, before we move on, I would like you to share a few pieces of information for our dear listeners. Sure, Vlada. Okay, so here we go. The Cure, uh, a band that was founded in 1987 in England. And this band has gone through a lot of lineup changes. Um, The only constant member is uh, the frontman and uh, singer-songwriter Robert Smith, uh, also the lead guitarist here. Basically, the face of this band, I think a lot of people associate the cure with with mr with Mr. Smith, so the evolution of this band went in many directions and through many faces, for example, with their first first album from nineteen seventy nine three imaginary boys, they kind of headed into um into this new wave post punk direction which kind of reached its peak when they released the second album, 17 Seconds, in 1980. And at this 
point, uh, they were known as this very dark and ethereal and atmospheric band, which uh, for some reason made Robert Smith uh, worry about the band's future. So he wanted to shake things up a bit later on, and uh, he turned the band into a more pop-oriented band, uh, which uh, some of the... which eventually led to a series of pop hits like Friday I'm in Love and uh, also uh, ma- some major albums like Pornography, Disintegration and, and, and so many other albums. The band has released 13 albums so far. It's a massive act, uh, very influential. Uh, they're also labeled with gothic rock, particularly when it comes to the, the 17 Seconds album. Um, that's that's a subculture that the Cure is uh, often associated with, even though Robert Smith has um, kind of denied that connection before. He thought that it was fake and he just didn't think it was appropriate. But I think that's up to us fans to, to discuss. Uh, I think, can I just say something? I think yeah, that sure. uh, he was right in a sense because I feel like he had a very original expression as a songwriter and he didn't really want to be associated with any movement even though of course naturally he had in his music elements of what was going on at the time including goth and post-punk and punk and all these other um, you know new romanticism and whatnot all these different styles that were dominant at the time were present in the cure's music but i think robert didn't want to be pigeonholed with other people because he felt that what he was doing is something different, that something that definitely stood out from the crowd. And I think he had a point there. So I would agree with him on that. Yeah, definitely. I think that happened when he was interviewed by, by a music journalist. Um, I think you can even find the video of that statement on YouTube, but uh yeah, so that's kind of it. Uh, a lot of lineup changes, and we we can also say a lot of sounds here, like, for example, this early phase, and then in the early 2000s, there's also the self-titled band, which kind of is reminiscent of that period, uh, The Cure. That album is is really is really really good, but today we're gonna talk we're gonna talk about three uh, albums. Uh, let's say their three biggest albums, even though a lot of their albums are really really big. But uh, dear listeners, as you know, we can't really manage to uh, cover whole discographies on our show. So Vlada, we're gonna kick off with Seventeen Seconds. This album was released in uh, nineteen eighty. It has several hits it has a very unique sound so what did you think about about this record all right so this is the band's second album following the first one uh and following the first one yeah very intelligent so this was the band's second album where they kind of in my opinion really came into their own you know regarding the sound regarding the direction of the band and to be honest i think I'm not 100% certain, but I think this is my most listened to Cure record. Not necessarily my favorite at that, but definitely the one that I visited the most over the years. And I think it was actually the first Cure album that I listened to from the beginning to end. So for me, this is a very special record. And the reason why it's so special is one of their most well-known songs, A Forest. 
And this is the song that I think made me a fan because I knew about The Cure even when I was a little boy. They were these eccentric people that I would see on the television with uh, white faces and makeup. And I didn't really know what to make of it when I was seven years old. But much later, uh, when I was already a huge music fan, I remember seeing the video for A Forest on the TV and I was completely captivated with the whole atmosphere. The visuals and also the sound was this dark, mysterious sound. The, the Robert Smith was such a such a mystical figure in that whole video with, with, the, with these uh, ethereal sounds kind of just awashing everything with atmosphere. And I just fell for it straight away. And I think to this day, this is one of my favorite songs. I think there's something primal about it. And there's something primal about this whole record. I think this is where their sound was kind of sparse. Uh, and I think a lot of the darkness comes from that sparseness of the arrangements. Like the guitar is very, the guitar sound is very simple and straightforward, but it has that kind of ring to it. Uh, where it, it immediately puts you in a certain mindset and really sets the mood. And then, of course, the bass and the drums here sound so kind of like Joy Division in a way, you know, this kind of uh, mechanical sound, almost robotic sound, but just perfectly fits the atmosphere, of course. And quite a few great tracks here. Uh, play, uh, play for Today, for example, has a very catchy guitar riff. Uh, also, Secrets is all atmosphere with the, those echoey, reverberated um, vocals. And um, yeah, of course, the rest of the stuff is uh, just as good. I mean, In Your House, At Night, very even record. But a lot of the tracks are just kind of instrumental uh, instrumental breaks that add to the atmosphere. But in a way, it makes the record feel a bit short because you only have I think six or seven fully realized songs. So, and, and the whole record clocks at 35 minutes. So it feels a bit short, but that's, I think, the only flaw that I can find. Uh, the rest is pretty great, I think. Alex, how about you? What do you think? Okay, I pretty much agree with you. And it's really interesting that we have some um, common points here, common experiences. Like A Forest was also one of my favorite songs and it's i think the first cure song that i ever heard um i think i heard it when i was uh watching a bass cover video and someone wrote a comment saying that a forest has a really good bass line so i decided to discover the song and watch that amazing uh, video clip that music video that they have and yeah, I was just blown away by everything there. Just, you know, this this album, yeah, it's also my most listened to Cure album. But it's, uh, compared to you, it's actually my favorite Cure album. And I think everything works perfectly fine here. Everything is absolutely stunningly good. And just can't, I just, I, I just can't find words to describe how much I love this album. Um Every track is a standout here and also have to praise the bass guitar and I mean the guitar as well. Everything is, is so good here. I have to tell a, a funny story here. Maybe it's not funny, but rather 
uh, interesting. So the former bass player, Michael Dempsey, didn't agree with Robert Smith on the direction the band wanted to head in. And that happened around the time when they were uh, making this album. And Michael Dempsey wanted The Cure to be XTC Part 2, while Robert Smith wanted wanted The Cure to be Susie and the Banshees Part 2. And obviously Robert Smith's idea won, so they wanted to uh, become that kind of band. He was, he was really influenced by Susie and... Uh, Robert Smith uh, allegedly, at the time of coming up with all the songs and writing them, he was listening to the likes of Jimi Hendrix, Van Morrison, David Bowie. So you can you can see that uh, Robert was really good at, first of all, listening his music and knowing how to incorporate that that. Uh, I don't know, that knowledge in his work, Vladis. So, yeah, an absolutely amazing record. And I think that's kind of it, Vladis. Yeah, and um, also want to mention the lyrical content. It's this dark, brooding, mysterious uh, theme that kind of goes throughout the record, you know, about being lost. And there's a lot of allusions to uh, lovers or lost love and suffering, you know, very emo, as people would say. And I think that's something that is kind of a continuing thread for the uh, for the cure, uh, for better or worse, of course. Okay, guys. So uh, before we move on to the second record, please take a moment to listen to our new sponsor, Brown Dark Promos. Brown Dog Promos is a champ in the promotional products industry, having shipped all over the world since 1989. For over 30 years, Brown Dog Promos has supplied custom printed promotional items like mugs, pens, calendars, embroidered or screen printed clothing, and anything else you could possibly need to companies and groups of all sizes. They also pride themselves on working with nonprofits to raise funds and recognize key donors and volunteers. For commercial clients, Brown Dog Promos offers invaluable advertising and marketing guidance based on their three three decades in the business. Whether you're looking to promote your company, nonprofit organization, or any variety of branding and marketing, Brown Dog Promos can make it happen. For all of your custom printed sportswear, decals, labels, and corporate gifts, be sure to check out Brown Dog Promos by following them on Instagram under their handle Brown Dog Promos, liking their page at facebook.com slash brown dog promos, or visiting their website browndogpromos.com. Trust the top dogs, Tony and Matthew, to help you make your branding outstanding. So let's get to ratings. I think this is a is an excellent record, but unlike you, I feel like that they top this one several times in the future. So I will give it eight point five, because for the simple reason uh, it does feel a bit short, and while the songs are really good, I think that none of the tunes are quite on the same level as A Forest, whereas some of the later records, as you will see, contain songs that are all kind of on the same level, you know, where it's almost impossible to choose your favorites. So I would say 8.5. And my favorite track, A Forest. How about you, Alex? Okay, so I'm actually a bigger fan of this album than you, Vlada, so I'm going to give this album a 9.5. It's not a 10 just because of one minor reason and that's that um 
Uh, whenever I listen to this album, I listen to it in its entirety. I don't listen to it that often, and maybe it's just not on my music agenda, so to say. So that's why it is a 9.5. And my favorite song here is uh, Play For Today, Vlada. Okay, so oh. now we're moving on to the next record from 1982. It's one of the most popular records by The Cure. It's called Pornography. A bit of a departure here. This is this is the time when uh, The Cure wanted to adapt a more poppy sound, so to say. So, Vlada, how do you compare this album to 17 Seconds and, let's say, Faith and those uh, those records from the early dark years? Well, I think that, uh, of course... He... I think you said it's a departure, but I also think it's a continuation, right? It's just that the band kind of decided to go into even greater depths of darkness and depravity and so on. So that's why this record is very unsettling to listen to. Unlike 17 Seconds, which is kind of catchy, you know, it's, it's super catchy, it's super accessible. And I think that's the reason why both of us love listening to it so much. Pornography is a very unsettling, dark experience. So every every dark moment from those previous records is kind of emphasized on pornography and this is why many consider it to be uh, the band's masterpiece uh, one of the greatest albums and so on uh, I, I think that those fans who are fans of the early period think of pornography as the band's pinnacle uh, i wouldn't agree with that i think it's a great record though me neither yeah i think it's a great record i think it's a it's an improvement over 17 seconds but not by a large, large margin. But what's better is that now we have a record that's more consistent, more cohesive, you know, kind of feels longer. And right from the get-go, it's very dramatic. You know, it starts with what I consider to be the band's statement. Uh, and um, let me just take a look. The first line in 100 years, the opening song, of the record is it doesn't matter if we all die. So that's the kind of bleakness that this record descends into. So if if you thought 17 seconds was dark, it has absolutely nothing on this. Would you agree with that, Alexander? Not really. Uh, first of all, I don't think that pornography is an upgrade. I do agree that it's a dark record and that it, it's not that accessible. Maybe that's why I'm still not too high on this record, but it's definitely dark. It has that really good atmosphere. I love the drums on this record, um, but there is one um, kind of confusing thing, or maybe I'm just not well acquainted with, with the content here. I couldn't quite get what the lyrics of this album were about. Like some of the songs sounded like it was maybe about substance abuse. I wasn't too sure. While some other songs um, reminded me of some sort of modern world criticism. So what did you think? Did you have any similar impressions, Vlada? I actually think a lot of this record is kind of cryptic. You know, let me just take a quick glance at the song titles so you have like uh, 100 years a short-term effect the hanging garden siamese twins 
the figurehead. You know, even the titles themselves are kind of cryptic. You know, like when you listen to the lyrics, it makes you wonder what he's trying to address. And uh, for example, in 100 years, I really like these opening lyrics. It doesn't matter if we all die. Ambition in the back of a black car. In a high building, there is so much to do. Going home time, a story on the radio. So it's kind of, you know, not everything is super clear, but you can assume, okay, so he's talking about maybe the self-destruction that comes hand in hand with fame and success, right? But then... It might be something entirely different. So, dear listeners, let, let us know what you think about these lyrics on pornography, what they address. Uh, another one here is Waiting for the Death Blow. So this is a very dark record that evokes death all the time, I feel. Uh, but also there are moments where it it's about uh, what what I already said is a recurring thing with Cure, this sort of sense of lost love that uh, ends in tragedy if i may express myself that way it's kind of like you feel like when robert sings about lost love it's not just this typical love song breakup song there's always some kind of element of tragedy almost on the verge of suicidal now i might be a bit off in that estimation but that's just my impression of these songs yeah, exactly. Summed it up pretty well. Um, what did you think, Vlada, of the difference in uh, in the instrumental work between this record and the previous ones? So here, I think they continue with this kind of sparse sound. Uh, it's very post-punk, very punk even in, in elements. Uh, but what really distinguishes this record is that there is this constant tension that you feel in the instrumentation that, you know, like if, if you listen to 17 seconds, it's kind of almost chill by comparison, even though it's intense. But this is far, far more intense, I feel, and especially the drums and the bass and the guitars. And, and I feel in, in some ways... This is um, a bit of a template for disintegration that we, we're going to talk about later, even if these two albums are quite different in style. But that kind of intensity, I think that's where it, where it first appeared on pornography. Uh, and that's why the fans love this record so much. And it's a kind of a record that I feel you have to listen from the beginning to the end to fully get. You know, it's not... the necessarily a record of individual songs even though there's several great cuts like the strange day or the title track at the end uh 100 years we already talked about uh definitely their early masterpiece a statement uh an artistic statement and no wonder that following this record robert wanted to move in in a lighter direction with some poppy sounds you know more accessible tunes i think that this was a bit too much this was kind of so intense that at the end of the day uh, he must have felt exhausted doing this kind of music fair point Svara. okay so um if you don't have anything else to add here uh would you like us to get to the ratings now yes of course so um i think 
I gave 8.5 to 17 seconds. I do think this is a better record, but I'm not sure if I want to give it a 9. I think I will stick with 8.5, even though I think it's a better record, more consistent. And I think it's probably deserving of a better rating than 17 seconds, but due to my emotional attachment to the uh, to the previous record, I think um, I'll have the same rating, even if it might sound a bit unfair. And my favorite cut here, um, oof, that's tough, that's tough. Um, maybe a strange day. All right, so I don't think that this record is better than 17 seconds. Um, personal reasons and uh, also musically speaking and probably my emotional connection since 17 seconds um, was basically my first Cure record ever. So I won't give it a super high rating. I still think it's a very good record, but maybe I just need more time to get uh, more accustomed to it. So I'll stick with 8. 8 out of 10 is my uh, rating, and the favorite song is Siamese Twins. A song that I heard many years before, and it's still really, really good. It's it's fantastic. It's fantastic. So, um, Vlada, now we are moving on to 1989. The record that you said is probably their best record ever. So yeah, didn't you watch South Park, the episode where uh, Robert Smith appears and where all the boys say that? Disintegration is the best record of all time. I didn't. It sounds familiar, but I didn't watch that. And since you're so high on this record, I'm going to give the microphone to you. So tell me, what do you think of Disintegration? All right. So here I have really extensive notes uh, on this record. I mean, wh- how to even and a launch begin? In a, in a monologue. How to even begin this? Okay, so... My first word in my notes is a masterpiece. So this is a true masterpiece. And the story is interesting that at the time, Robert Smith was 29, going 30 soon. And he got a bit depressed about that. You know, he he didn't like the idea of turning 30. And one thing that he was particularly concerned about was that all the rock and roll greats before him release their greatest records before they turn 30. You know, the likes of Bob Dylan and the Beatles and so on. Kurt Cobain. Well, well he was... He was oh my God, just stop. <laughs> okay. <laughs> stop. Dear listeners, this is what happens when you have a 90s kid on the show. They think that Kurt Cobain existed before The Cure, apparently. So we need to educate them. But no, okay, so back to, let's be serious here. (laughs) The beer is kicking in. The beer is kicking in. Do not promote alcoholism. This is a family-friendly podcast. Anyway, so let's get back (laughs) to it. Um, He was afraid that he would never achieve that kind of greatness. He was so preoccupied with this that he basically locked himself up in a room and kept writing songs and he wrote about 35 songs or so and the 12 that we have on the record are the ones that were chosen by the band so it was a very extensive process amidst 
very uh, severe depression, or maybe not so severe, I'm not sure about that, but that's what the sources state, that he was very depressed at the time. Some of it is, of course, reflected in the music, but not many Cure records are not depressing, so uh, that's another thing. Um, and, of course, another thing that was unusual was that during the sessions, at times, Robert Smith refused to talk to anyone. He was completely closed off and so focused on what he was doing. It kind of almost reminds me of some other legendary rock stories, like the way Bruce Springsteen did Born to Run, for example, where he was so tunnel vision. So this record is really fantastic in every possible way. And, uh, you know, one thing that really stands out for me is how carefully all the songs were sculpted. It's like he didn't care about having a hit. You know, he didn't care about not being accessible enough to the masses. And I read that... uh, the record label itself was very confused with the whole project. However, this turned out to be the Cure's greatest commercial success, interestingly enough. And you know what's really cool? The record clock at 71 minutes with 14 songs. There's a lot of songs clocking at 7, 8 minutes, I think 6 12 minutes. 12 songs, sorry. 12 songs. 12 songs, okay, sorry. So... It's incredible. There's all these gorgeous instrumental sections that precede the vocals. Sometimes it takes two or three minutes before Robert comes in with his vocals. And that's kind of different from the previous work. You know, that's something that they didn't do early on, even though on 17 seconds we had all those interludes, instrumental interludes. But here it's kind of a new thing. Uh, So first... The record starts off with plain song and immediately you are awash with sadness and melancholy. And then Robert comes in after a while and he says, it's so cold. And there is this sense of being lost and not just in love, but in life as well. You know, like a poor, like a poor child lost in the woods, uh, in the cruel world. And I love that sentiment. It might be cheesy when you think about it, but it's so perfectly executed that immediately you can identify with Robert. You can identify with this song, especially if you've been through pain of losing love or, you know, loving somebody and then not being able to be with them. Uh, and an interesting thing is that uh, plain song is actually the name that's usually given to Gregorian chants and other Catholic liturgies. So this track has that kind of almost religious-like uh, rhythm, in, and um, it really draws you in. It's so atmospheric. Uh, and then it continues from there. Uh, Pictures of You, again, a beautiful breakup song, another atmospheric instrumental introduction, ethereal atmosphere, uh, I think that's probably the biggest hit from this album, Lola, uh, right? Love Song, I think, is the biggest hit. Yeah, Love Song, yeah, Love yeah, Song, right? Yeah, and then, so, I mean, I have such extensive notes here that I don't want to talk too much, but I want to ask you, uh, maybe you had less experience listening to this than me, so tell me, what did you feel listening yeah. to this record? 
Yeah, yeah, you're right. I had definitely less knowledge and less experience with this record. Uh, it wasn't really easy for me to get through this record. First of all, it has that unusual length, you know. Um, it's not super long, but you don't really, I mean, in my catalog, you don't really have 71 minutes long um records that often end the tracks that are like six seven or eight minutes long so um that was a unique uh, experience and uh, i have to say that before i picked up this record i hadn't known the year of of the release the release year and when i found out that it was 1989 i wasn't surprised because um some of the riffs or Okay, I can say the whole album, basically. The the guitar riffs uh, from the whole album uh, reminded me of some traces of shoegaze. And it's interesting that shoegaze was just starting off in, in that period, you know, late 80s, early 90s. So that kind of came together. Um, I think instrumentally speaking, they were phenomenal here. Some some really, really good songs and, and instrumental work, just fantastic. Uh, still, uh, for some reason, I don't prefer this record over 17 seconds, but maybe I just need more time. And it's it's just, you just have to be prepared and patient with this record because it's kind of long and it, it requires concentration. I don't get some of your comments, to be honest. I get that it's a long record, but we had long records before. But another thing is, I mean, you don't necessarily have to listen to this in one sitting if it's that long for you. The thing is that, you know, 17 seconds was like a sample of greatness. This record is full greatness. 70 minutes of greatness. It's not like a single weak moment. If you had a forest, which was a dominant track on 17 seconds here, there's no dominant track because all the tracks are dominant, if you know what I mean. Well, you remember what I said, 17 seconds, the whole album is, is a highlight. So I can't, I don't really agree with your statement that a forest is a dominant trick. So you, you don't you want to acknowledge that it really stands out dramatically? Like, it, not that no, other songs no are bad. I like other songs, but come on, the, a forest? No, it doesn't stand out. It doesn't stand out. I think, I think a lot of songs are just as good on, on, on 17 seconds. Or, all right, but still... What I'm trying to say is that this record, as soon as you start it, it's like, wow, you're like mind blown. The instrumental sections, like even the uh, even before you start singing, you're already in tears because the instrumental sections are so emotionally resonant, you know, so wow, I emotionally just, resonant. There you go. Exactly. Exactly. The, a perfect moment for that face, phrase in your face. What's next? Yeah. So I just don't get it, man. I just don't get it. Like what? Were you like, I, I, I were, you, see. were you reading the lyrics while listening? Were you like focused yeah. on the record? Yes. But what's the thing that you disagree on here? I don't get it. I don't know. It's just like this. Oh, I don't know. This is not like 17 seconds. I need more time. Oh my God. It's too long. It's uh no, it's not yes, too long. I need more the, the time. The white album is ninety minutes, seconds. and it's not too long. Sandinista by the Clash is like one hundred twenty minutes. It's not too long. You know why they're not too long? Because they're freaking masterpieces, just like this record is. Okay, I still prefer seventeen seconds. <laughs> 
God, dear listeners, one of these days I will get a heart attack doing this show. Okay, so here's my holy, holy trio of The Cure. So here we go. 17 seconds, Faith, and the title album, The Cure. So there you go. All right, that just means that you never actually really spent a lot of time with this integration, you know. And um, that's what I said that I need more time. So you're kind of coming to my conclusion, Vlada. No, no, because I'm just just mildly irritated by how casually you talk about this artistic statement that really put the cure uh, in the pantheon of the rock greats, you know. Okay, dear listeners, I have to say one thing. Vlada always portrays himself as, you know, this open-minded guy that's open to many music tastes and likes a lot of types of music. But when someone disagrees with his rants, Not he someone, gets absolutely... You. Only you. You know, there's this sense of blasphemy in, in Vlada's behavior. So please be careful. Be careful with him. I'm like really now fearing for my safety. <laughs> lucky you that you're not here next to me otherwise this show wouldn't be possible i think okay yeah, so you would just throw things over the over the board so um let's go back to the record um another thing you know that that's so wonderful about it is how how there's this theme you know it's almost like reading a book like each song blends into the next there, there are very few songs that kind of um, that are top topically different, thematically different. That is, uh, so for example, "Lullaby" is a bit of a different song, another very well-known song, and it, that song kind of made me think about it. Like the lyrics, there's a Spider-Man, but it's not the Spider-Man that you usually think of. It in this song, I think this Spider-Man that he sings about is a personification of mental illness or anxiety, depression, something like that. That's that's at least my reading of this. And he sings about the way that dreams can prey on us, you know, how sometimes you feel very unsettled after sleeping and waking up following a very bad, nearly traumatic dream. But then it, it goes back to these uh, love songs about failed relationships, about this ho- uh, constant hope that not not everything is lost. Um, and, you know, it works so magically well because of all those long instrumental sections. I think they really emphasize the, the general sentiment of the record. And I have to say, I got total chills listening to Love Song this time within the context of the album. You know, like usually I hear it somewhere on the radio when I'm out. But whenever I listen to it within the context of the whole story, it really gives me such chills because it's like a climax of his love for the person that he sings about, whoever that may be. Uh, What do you say about that, Alexander? Yeah, love song. Absolutely a highlight. I loved it. Um, Definitely one of the highlights. And yeah, it, it is really popular, but when you listen to it, you know, um, within the album, it just sounds like one crucial part of the of the whole thing, right? Yeah, especially because it's more upbeat than most of the other songs. So it's kind of like 
it really underlines everything that came before it and after it. And then at the end, you have these drawn out songs like Homesick and Untitled, and, and they really drive the whole point home, I feel. Fantastic closing tracks on this record. Fantastic. Yes, so gorgeous. And I just love it how they took time to do this. Like they could have cut these songs in half. It could have been a 40 minute record. I'm so glad it's not because it would have been a crime against it. I think. But uh, I wanted to ask you one more thing. What did you think about, you said that the band was fantastic on this one. What did you think about the rhythm section, about the sound of the bass and drums on here? Um, To be honest, I was more focused on the guitar work for some reason. Um, I mean, The Cure has always had great rhythm section. It's It's just their trademark. But here, I think the guitar was actually more pronounced. Yeah, I love the guitar too. That watery sound. It's it's the gentleman by the name of uh, Pearl Thompson. Pearl Thompson. And he has a very unique style, in my opinion. Even on the previous records, uh, on Just Like Heaven, one of The Cure's biggest hits. His sound, uh, it just sounds like rain descending on you. It's just so... And here it's just perfectly, perfectly fitting uh, it's, totally shoegazy. Yeah, that kind of melancholy that it induces in the listener just out of this world. And another interesting thing about the gentleman in question is that he went on to play with none other than Robert Plant and Jimmy Page. And he was also very prominent on Robert Plant's excellent record called Dreamland from 2002. So check that record out, dear listeners. I know it's a bit of a digression, but it's a wonderful record. And it speaks volumes about Thompson that somebody like Robert Plant and Jimmy Page wanted to work with him. That's really impressive. Yeah, exactly. Okay, Vlada, um, shall we now go to the ratings and picking our favorite song? Oh my God, how do you even begin with a favorite song here? Let me, I need to take a look. I need to take some time. Because it's too hard. It's too hard. Is it plain song? To go first. Is it love song? Is it uh, Fascination Street, Pictures of You? I don't know. Uh, Close Down, such a great song too. Alex, please say something first and then I'll, I'll follow you. Okay, let me take a look. I also have multiple standout tracks. Um, yeah. Yeah, a lot of highlights here. But I'll go with Prayers for Rain. I think that was a fantastic song. And my rating is 8.5, Lada. All right, no comment about the rating. I'll just keep things peaceful for now. Okay, my favorite track, <laughs> I think, is maybe Plain Song, just because it's such a such an auspicious beginning of the record. So grand. So it's like, here we are, this is it. You know, it's like... This is the record, and you hear it within the first 10 seconds, and just mind-blowingly good. And uh, my rating is 9.5. Not many records deserve 10. This one comes close, um, but I didn't want to go that far. Uh, it's, it's just really crazy, okay? Uh, I'm closer to giving this album at uh, 10 while you gave robert johnson a 10 which is totally crazy 
<laughs> it's not crazy. People who know music understand why Robert Johnson is so important and why those songs deserve 10. That's like the basis of everything, you know? It's like, I mean, what, what's crazy about that? That's also a completely different context and time and everything. And the cure were better. <laughs> I don't know about that. It's 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 impossible to compare those two artists. It's like, I don't know. I mean, I also gave Muddy Waters a 10, I think. I don't know, maybe. Oh, that's oh it, comedy. It's not a comedy, and I'm and I'm just gonna throw something at you the first time I see you after this, because that's cause I think Madi deserved a ten, okay? And maybe okay, then I'll give this ten too, okay? This is a ten, dear listeners. Go get this record, sleep with it, make love to it. It's a ten, okay? That's Woo-hoo. it. Are that's you happy good. now? That's good. Yes, I am totally happy. Just gonna get another sip of of my beer and let let the party begin. All right, so Alex, we've come to the end of this lovely episode, and we have a few words to say about our dear sponsors, Brown Dog Promos. So, if you want to get items, uh, pens, T-shirts, or anything else and market your stuff with these items, then Brown Dog Promos is a fantastic company for you. These guys know their work. Uh, Alex, what do you say? Totally agree. Guys, you should check our friends Tony and Matthew at browndogpromos.com. Also, their social media accounts, Facebook, Brown Dog Promos, and Instagram at Brown Dog Promos. Thank you guys for supporting our show. Thank you. And of course, we're very honored to have such a good sponsor that does such a quality work, 30 years of experience. So thank you, guys. All right. So, uh, Vlada, let me hear quickly your final word on this episode and this grandiose band. The final word is it's the cure. Um, Some people may love them. Some people may hate them for all the same reasons. You know, sometimes it's very... um, Emo, you know, might be too much for some people. But I think that when it comes to records like Disintegration or even Pornography, it's the records that everybody should listen to. If you like rock music, if you love post-punk, if you love, uh, if you just love great stuff and great art, then I think you need to listen to these records. These records should really take their rightful place among the greats and uh, especially this integration. There's not many records that sound like it. I actually cannot think of any. I think it's absolutely unique and it proves how, how much of a visionary Robert Smith was. All right, Lada, even I would agree with you. I think uh, every music fan should listen to these records. If you're totally new to the new wave genre, I'm, 99% sure that you won't be disappointed with this kind of music. If you, and if you belong to that 1%, then I'm sorry, but I guess you should just stick in that case, you should just stick to Billie Eilish and Drake. So, Oh, come on, man. This show is not here to (laughs) call people out for liking Billie Eilish. There's nothing wrong with that. Just, let everybody enjoy whatever they like. I think Billie Eilish yeah. is somebody who we're going to cover in this show, mind you, one of these oh, days. Oh, I, I can't wait for that. Yes. So 
we are not haters. We we're here to promote different styles, different music with an open mind. Uh, I hate to see this kind of division. Music is art. It's something that should be enjoyed by different uh, generational groups, different people. Uh, it's something to be shared with everyone. So I totally disagree with your comments there. I love how you're playing the devil's advocate. But all right. So that's it from now, dear listeners. Um, check out our social media to um, keep up with all the funny stuff and all the news about Sunrise. Sunrise Pod is the handle on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. And also on Facebook, we have a music discussion group where we can talk more closely about uh, music and our episodes. And finally, please check out our Patreon. Um, if you want to support us, you can do that for as little as $1 per month. Uh, that would mean a lot to us, dear fans. So um, till the next time, uh, keep up with all the news, stay safe, and we'll see you soon. Write a review, and then you can share it. With the world. In any social media platform. And then your friends see it, and you can share and discover new shows together. This is Steph, instigator of Pod Rev Day, Podcast Review Day. And I'm Andy from Inspired Money. And I'm Arielle of Earbuds Podcast Collective and CastBox. We're here to tell you everything you need to know about Pod Rev Day. Which is on the 8th of every month, of every year, of every century, of every... You get it. We are posting podcast reviews as part of hashtag Pod Rev Day, Podcast Review Day. Because podcasters work their butts off and deserve to know how much they've impacted your lives. And you can do that through reviews. Even one star feels surprisingly <laughs> good. Does it? It lets you know that people are at least listening. Don't be a passive podcast listener. Write a review and tell your favorite creator what you love about their podcast or about a specific episode. And to participate, you just need to do one review. And we'll see you every eighth of the month. Pod Rev Day. Because podcasters deserve to hear it. Hashtag Pod Rev Day. P-O-D-R-E-V-D-A-Y.